It's almost 7 o'clock at night, and they are now turning on the afterburners. Excellent. Padded Room Podcasting Hour. My name is Darian. It's time for another week of horror bullshit. Uh, it's another solo show. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put that out there right now. In case you haven't already figured it out, inmates. It's just me again. Uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Monica. Um, dude, she's got too many fucking dogs, and they're way too big to be left alone for any prolonged period of time. <clears throat> Husband's out of, out of town all the time. Mom's in failing health, Monica's in failing health, and those I'm surprised those dogs haven't eaten her already, or her mom, or her husband at this point. They're, and they, they are not in the best shape either, the dogs. She's got a lot of fucking problems. Buddy, uh, out globe-trotting, trend-setting, whatever the hell he does when he's not here, I'm not 100% sure. I know he's uh, checking in on Facebook from all over the country, doing cool stuff, so good, good luck with that there, buddy. Uh, it's just me this weekend, mates, and I'm going to warn you right now. If you were expecting like a um, entertaining show, if you wanted some quality content, uh, you, you might as well just go ahead and head on over to the Corpse Cast. Uh, they usually do a pretty good show. You're not going to find it here. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not going to find it here, inmates. I apologize. I got, Dude, I got vaccinated yesterday, and it is kicking the shit out of me. I'm fine. Um, I didn't sleep a wink last night because, I don't know, I, I, I had a fever for like two hours and then it broke, but then after that I just couldn't go back to sleep, and uh, yeah, I've been up since about 2.30 and I'm just fucking running on empty. If I had known I was doing a solo show, I would have recorded this earlier, but then I probably would have missed most of your emails and voicemails. It's just a, it's just a bad, uh, uh, vicious cycle is what it is. And I'm tired, and uh, I don't really want to be doing this right now. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway, because I'm just that angry. And I will be goddamned if I'm not going to record the Padded Room podcast on a Tuesday night. You motherfuckers, you like that? You like it? I'm doing it anyway. Uh, I don't I don't know why I'm so angry about it. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm, I'm being hostile, and I'm taking it out on you guys. And that's not fair to you. You didn't turn into, tune in to hear this weirdo yell at you. Uh, so why don't I go ahead and get into the regular horror show here, kids. I got horror news. I got listener mail. I got some movies to talk about. Why don't we kick things off with a little horror news there, knuckleheads. Uh, 
<laughs> Horror news. Well, yeah. Uh, trailers are up for VHS 94, which is another installment of the VHS franchise. Um, man, that last one was dog shit, wasn't it? VHS viral, that was no good. A lot of that shit just didn't make sense in there. Um, this one looks good, but they all look good in the trailers. You know what I'm saying? VHS, the first one, pretty dope. Had my favorite segment of all time in it. Uh, VHS 2, also pretty dope. VHS 3, eh. I mean, there was, like like any anthology series, you're going to have good vignettes and bad vignettes. Those ones, I feel like, were mostly bad. And uh, that shit with the ice cream truck that went on throughout the whole movie, I didn't understand that. Did anybody understand that? It was like a hijacked ice cream truck and all the cops were chasing it, but it didn't really do anything, from what I gathered. Uh, so now here comes this one, and uh, trailers look good. Uh, looked like you had some kind of a vampire situation and some kind of a... Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a demon, kind of a swamp thing. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. That's the thing about VHS, man. They're all found footage, so you never really know what the fuck you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, trailers are up uh, at Bloody Disgusting, if you want to check that out. Vans, the shoe company, they are launching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th inspired shoes. No price tags on these things yet. But given uh, previous price tags, like when they did the Alien sneakers, they're probably going to be at least 200 bucks a piece, at least. And if you buy them, you're never going to wear them because you don't want to fuck them up. So I don't know. I don't know. I know there's a lot of dudes out there that are really into shoes. I'm not one of them. I got two pairs of shoes, three pairs of shoes, three pairs of shoes and some therapy sandals for when I, uh, after my long distance runs. That's about it. And, uh, I wear those goddamn things until the, the laces fall off. So I will not be purchasing the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, vans. I'm sure you already heard about this, but I'm going to bring it up anyway because it bears discussing. The Lost Boys is going to be remade. And it's got some of the kids from, uh, what do you call there, uh, It in it. And some from A Quiet Place. Um, a lot of people not happy about this. A lot of people pretty upset. Um... Really, if you want to get mad, though, you should start with some of those horseshit uh, Lost Boys sequels. Because those were terrible, man. Those didn't have anything to do with it. They loosely tied a storyline together with the Frog Brothers, sort of. And kind of Sam Emerson, but Corey Haim died, so that didn't work out. So, I I mean, I don't know. I I guess I'm just going to reserve judgment. I don't think... It's going to be weird... Because you got to have that kind of 80s punk angst to fully get the Lost Boys. You know what I mean? And I feel like you can't get that in today's society. Kids are on a different track now, man. It's all social media bullshit. You know, TikToks and all that fun crap. Uh, you don't see kids just hanging around like you used to. That's how, that was part of the thing of the Lost Boys, was that they just went and kind of roamed the boardwalk at night looking for people to pick off. Kids don't do that. So now what are they going to do? They're going to hang out on social media platforms looking for people to pick off? 
Well, that's going to be dumb, and that's going to be a shit movie because it's just going to be a bunch of pale teenagers staring at their phones. Ah, fuck off. I don't know, man. Maybe they'll figure it out somehow. Uh, Elvira is going to host a Halloween special on Shudder. Elvira's 40th anniversary, very scary, very special special is going to air September 25th. That's this Saturday on Shudder. I don't know if she's going to be showing movies or clips from movies or if she's going to have guests. Maybe she's going to do a Joe Bob thing. I don't know what her plan is, but I will. I probably won't watch it live because I got better things to do on a Saturday night, but I will definitely check it out once it gets posted. Uh, Lastly, this is something I'm kind of excited about. Escape the Undertaker. It's going to be a interactive horror movie from Netflix and WWE Films uh, exploring the backstory of The Undertaker. And that is going to hit Netflix October 5th. Um, it look it sounds pretty dope. It sounds like what they're trying to do is... Remember that uh, Black Mirror movie that they did? Uh, our old friend David Slade directed it. And he, you know, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure situation. I think that's kind of what they're going for with this. I'm pumped for it. Obviously, The Undertaker is going to play himself, Mark Calloway. Um, the pro- I guess the, what, I, what I'm curious about is just which, which, which version of Undertaker is going to be present. You know what I mean? Because like, over the years, he went back and forth between the dead man and just a big biker guy. And then you know, he would take a couple months off, then he'd come back as the dead man again. And then the, you know, but when he first started out, he was basically a walking corpse. With Paul Bearer, that was pretty dope, right? That's the Undertaker that I'm hoping for. So we'll have to just uh, play it by ear, see how that works out. I'm excited for it either way. Uh, That's going to be October 5th, so make sure you check that shit out, inmates. Uh, In the meantime, we got some listener mail to get into. Why don't we jump right into that? Listener mail. Okay, then. What do we got here? We got emails. We got voicemails. We got all kinds of shit coming through. Let's start things off with the emails. Uh, All the way from Sydney, Australia. Here comes our main man, Team. It's the Horror for Dummies podcast. You know him. You love him. He's a beautiful, handsome devil he is. Uh, Star power dominates all is the subject line. Hi, guys. How's things this week? Uh, are we all there this week? No. If no, solo shows are great too. Well, thank you very much, Tim. Last week's episode was good, Darian. You do a great solo show. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you want to wanting to experiment with me. I would also experiment with you. I mean, I'm not scared. I'll suck a dick. <laughs> I I uh, I actually am a little scared <laughs> of that of of that. There, I think there are some things that I just don't need to try, Tim. But. Uh, you know, uh, with the correct amount of Chardonnays, and if you can treat me like a lady, I might be plied into uh, <laughs> something. The Terradome didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but I didn't realize the way to win a Terradome match is to have the best actors in your movie. Damn, stupid me. Well, wait till you hear tonight's matchup, Tim. It's going to be ridiculous. Speaking about the Terra Dome, I like this matchup, classic monster fight. So when I think of the mummy, I don't think of the mummy as a supernatural creature that can control sand and all that. Instead, I think of something more like Lot 
249 from the Tales from the Dark Side movie, or hell, even the mummy from the Monster Squad. So with that being said, the creature just needs to put him in water, and then boom, soggy toilet paper. So I think the creature from the Black Lagoon would take this this one. Okay. Uh, sure, Tim. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different versions of the mummy out there. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're like these godlike figures. Other times they're basically just zombies. So whichever one you want to go with. But I just realized that's not how we play this game. The Mummy films have had Tom Cruise and Brendan Fraser in them. So I guess due to the all the star power, I have to vote for the Mummy. Well, shit, man. I already put you down for the creature. Now you're going back to the Mummy. Okay. And that's how it's done, right? I figured it out. All you need for all you need to win the Terra Dome is star power and wings. Wings help a lot. If your guy can fly, that makes a lot of sense. Or, you know, drive a car, that helps. Uh, Psycho Goreman is fucking phenomenal. It's still my number one film of the year so far. I just love it. The characters are so much fun. The gore is great, and it has some of the funniest lines ever. For all my hunky boys who haven't seen this this year, go and check it out. I watched this one with my kids, uh, Tim, and I think they enjoyed it. They, they got into it. That's it for me this week. Hope you guys have a great week. Darian, have fun with your Maniac Cop movies this week. Uh, assuming you sleep with them or something, so have fun with that, and I'll catch you on the next show. I don't sleep with my Maniac Cop movies. There, Tim. I'm just saying I think that they are highly underrated and don't get the respect that, that they're due in the horror you know, counterculture or whatever you want to call us. I think they're, gr- I think they're good movies. Um, they've definitely got a horror pedigree to him. William Lustig, who also did, um, what do you call maniac? You know what I mean? Uh, you got an undead slasher villain. You got a three movie franchise that didn't go near as far into the shitter as some other slasher franchises did. I'm not going to name any names. I think, all right, well, I stated my case last week. And if you want to argue with me, then... Go ahead. (laughs) I don't care. Let's get over to Tokyo, Japan. Here comes Kevin, the lonely Bob in the house. Subject line, The Old Ways. Hey, Darian and Padaroom crew, watch The Old Ways on Netflix, as you recommended in an earlier episode. It's better than I expected. Some of that visual horror really got to me, like pulling the hair out of her throat and microsurgeries on her stomach, then pulling a snake out had me having to look away from the screen. It's not totally gory. It's more of a reaction to thinking about going through that situation that got me. Anyhow, good film choice. Thumbs up. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kevin came in again. Subject line, Invitation to Hell. Hey again. Tubi has earned a reputation of having low-quality movies, but there's also some interesting historical films on there. This week I watched Invitation to Hell. It's a made-for-TV movie directed by Wes Craven that came out the same year as Nightmare on Elm Street. Don't expect violence or nudity as it's made for TV, but the story and acting aren't bad for a TV movie. It's basically about the horrors of consumerism in society. Check out Invitation to Hell on Tubi. Oh, excuse me. I, Kevin, I love you. You know that. But I feel like Tubi is where horror movies go to not get noticed. You know what I mean? Uh, there is some good stuff in there somewhere. I actually, uh, because since I couldn't sleep last night, I just kind of put on a horror movie on Tubi and then it just rolls on to the next and the next and the next. I actually found one that wasn't bad. I'll get into that. And what are you looking at? 
But by and large, Tubi, the horror section, is widely populated by TVMA, TV14, TV11, I don't know what the hell the breakdown is. A bunch of crap is what it is. And it's not so much that it's bad, that they're bad movies, because there are bad movies out there that I absolutely adore. But these are movies that are just so vanilla and so forgettable and so cookie cutter uh, that they just kind of, you forget about them. You know what I mean? You, you watch them and you're like, hey, okay, Haunted House, Ghost Quake, yeah, all right. And then the credits roll and you're like, hmm, oh, what was that movie I just watched on Tubi? It's already gone. It's already left your, your headspace because it made no impression on you. It didn't scare you. It didn't make you laugh. It didn't uh, disturb you in any way. So it, I would say, it, can you even call it a horror movie at that point? I don't know. I'm going off on a rant, Kev. I apologize. Um, but... There, there's like a thousand plus horror movies on Tubi, and there has got to be. There's, I've found a few that aren't bad. So we'll get more into that. And what are you looking at? Uh, let's get over to Freddie. Here comes Freddie. No subject line. Hey folks, been out traveling and haven't had time to write in, but have been listening. Terradome voting the mummy. The creature is okay, but not all that cool. Really enjoy the educate bit, even though I hardly guess them. LOL. Stay safe. Cheers, Freddy. Uh, two more for the mummy. This one's looking like a blowout. Right on, Freddy. Hey, you stay safe out there, my man. Uh, yeah, let's get over to jolly old London, England. Here comes the horror slut herself. Cats in the house. Subject line, are you my mummy? Evening, gents. I do hope things find what I do hope things finds everyone well. I did enjoy the newer Mummy and was sorely disappointed that the Dark Universe plan died out, as it would have been great to see the classics reborn. Well, that makes two of us, Cat. I thought I was the only one that, that wasn't furious at the uh, the Tom Cruise Mummy. I rather enjoyed it, to be honest with you, and I was looking forward to seeing where that went. We'll never know. We'll never know now. Sorry. Uh, with that, my vote goes to The Mummy. As for Educate, you, sir, are 1922, based off the Stephen King novel. You are correct, Cat. You got me. I was 1922. God damn it. Uh, I haven't had much time to watch many movies this week, but I am looking forward to three days off after pulling double shifts, and we'll be relaxing with plenty of blood and gore. Have a great night, Cat. Hey, you too, Cat. Thanks for writing in, babe. Uh, let's get back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, Tom Cruise. Evening, Padded Room. Hope everyone is doing well and someone made it in tonight. If not, I still enjoy the solo shows. First off, Darian, I'm fucking jealous of your upcoming trip and Universal Horror Nights. Lucky fucker. Hope you have an awesome trip and stay safe. I hope so, too. There, cowboy. Uh, Terradome voting The Mummy. I agree with you, Darian. The new one I thought was pretty good. And do enjoy me some Sophia Batella. I think... She is banging hot. Now, if Monica were here, she would swear up and down that Sophia Batella is a dude. I don't care. <laughs> I know I said I would experiment with Tim. Uh, there'll be no experimentation with Sophia Batella. If she has, if she has a dick, I will suck it. <laughs> that, that one, I'll, I'll, I'll go in on whatever, whatever her situation is downstairs. I don't, I don't particularly care. Uh, Sophia Batella also a little mentioned. Hey, Tim, did you know Tom Cruise does all his own stunts? Ha ha. 
I'm still disappointed the Dark Universe plan died. I think it would have been awesome. Hey, now there's three of us, cowboy. See that? We're on a roll. Psycho Goreman. I watched this a bit ago and thought it was fun. Granted, the effects were very Power Rangers, but all in all, still a fun movie. Educate, you are 1922. I've read and watched pretty much everything from King. Didn't get time to watch much this week. Had the air races to deal with and all the extra idiots on my daily route. Did catch Malignant. I really like it, and I like Tim, and and like Tim, don't get all the hate out there for it. For me, it felt like basket case on crack. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's all I got tonight. Hope everyone has a great week, and catch you on the flip, cowboy. Right on, cowboy. Thanks for uh, writing in, big dog. I got some voicemails for you here. Let's jump right in with the man himself, all the way from beautiful Southern California. The man, the myth, the legend, the Tom Hardy. Hey-yo! Hey-yo! Padded room, how's my favorite degenerates this week? Well, I'm here. I hope everyone's doing well there. Except for Gary, and of Whoa, course. Oh, hey. He just couldn't let it go, huh? Couldn't let what go? Couldn't let it go. I thought, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger man. What did I do now? Aerodome went the way it was. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to move on. Okay. But uh, your guy gets a win. I, I even throw the lifeline out there. I even vote for uh, the maniac cop, you know? It's sure. A nice gesture. I think, hey, let's bygone be bygone. Yeah. You just couldn't help but throw it out there. Oh, now, I, I think he could beat Jason Voorhees, too, you know? To be uh, honest with you. Just, just couldn't let it go, huh? I'm just, just saying, had to keep man. it going. All right. That's let's it. not take it personal. Well, you know what? I, I got ways of getting back. Okay. You know, I found out, uh, apparently... Cowboy found the uh, patron donation where you have to come and help him move. I do, yeah. Well, I'm going to find the patron donation where you have to go to Miss Monica's house and, like, clean all the dog hair off oh, the furniture, God. pick up all the dog shit in the yard. That's going to take weeks. Yeah, and then, you know what, since you're such a fan of the uh, pedophile <laughs> creeper, we'll do a Roman Polanski month. Oh, I think he's that's so angry. That's the way we do this, He is so Just angry at me. let it go, huh? <laughs> all right. Well... Anyway, on to the current uh, Terror Dome. Yes, sir. You know what? I'm just going to use some of uh, you know Darian's logic oh, there. Oh, right, um, then. You know, the creeper's got wings. Well, you know what? God, he's so mad The creature has flippers. He does. So, therefore, he should beat that uh, 15-year-old boy. That's what you uh, think. The mummy. He's not a 15-year-old. Really? Just, just had to keep going. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm moving the fuck on. I'm sorry. I'm moving on. No, anyway, you're, not. you're um, stewing over it. Oh, on the... Educating department. I Sir. think I got you. I think you're a uh, 1922. That you got Stephen me. King uh, adaptation flick. Thomas Jane. Yep. So I think I think that's you. And that is um, me. I just got to catch two things on the. What are you looking at? Okay. Um, I got to catch the uh, 1970s invasion of the body snatchers. Okay. But before that, what kind of inspired that? Was I got to catch the uh, 1950s. Oh, the original uh, version of invasion of the body snatchers. And okay. I hadn't seen that. That was the first time viewing for me, the 1950 version. I gotta say, man, hmm. I think I might, I think I might actually like the 1950s version better. I mean, even though it is black and white, right? Um, it's it's just, more of a drive. It's, it's pretty quick pace, you know. Yeah. It's much shorter, um, and it just gets going. Sure, it's got some weird, like, you know, 1950s things that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the nuclear you know, the guy Cold is, War. Uh, wearing a suit and a tie. 
and he's running away from the, the the pod people or whatever. Of course. And you know he takes he doesn't fully take the tie off. He just he just loosens it. Yeah. That's kind of a power move, though. You know what I mean? What back then when a guy loosened his tie, he was either going to punch somebody in the face or he was probably going to get punched in the face himself. That that that's what that's like uh turning the hat around backwards for um what's his name? Hawk in over the top. You know what I'm talking about, Tom Hardy. He called back. G motherfucking P. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So like I was saying, he doesn't like actually take the tie off, you know, he just kinda loosens it, you know. Right. While he's, you know, in full sprint away from the town folk and it's got some weird shit like that, but then you know, by comparison, the 1970s invasion of the Body Snatcher, you know, you got those weird fucking tweed coats and uh, <laughs> funky Sutherland. mustaches yep. and uh, Donald Pleasance with the perm. I mean, yeah, buddy. There's some stupid shit in that one, too. So, I don't know. But all in all, you know, I'm kind of curious. Uh, it's on Prime, the uh, 1950s one, if anyone wants to check it out. I'm kind of curious what everyone else thinks. Uh, sure. I, I think I actually do prefer it better. Um like I said, it's a lot shorter, too, which, I don't know, I kind of appreciate That's it. That's something that I'm into. Anyway, hope all is well. Love you like family, except for Darian. Wow! God, he's so mad. Well, I still love you, Tom Hardy. He is furious at me. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom Hardy. Come on, man. You can't let the Terradome... Ruin your whole day, all right? And I'm sorry that Jason Voorhees lost to the Creeper. Um, and I'm sorry that the Maniac Cop won. And I think that if the Maniac Cop were to fight Jason Voorhees, I'm just saying, I feel like uh, the Maniac Cop could run Jason over with a truck, and that would be the end of Jason. Whereas Jason doesn't know how to drive, that I know of. Off the top of my head, I don't think he knows how to drive. And he definitely can't fly. He doesn't have wings. There's no, po- there's no point in arguing those two uh, points, sir. So I'm just going to put that out there. All right. Uh, Tom Hardy, Cat, Cowboy, Tim, Kevin, you guys are beautiful people. You already knew that. I'm not telling you anything you didn't know. Thank you very much for calling and writing in. Uh, your Terradome votes are locked. I think it's time for me to get into a movie, my friends. Let's do it. This one will drive you absolutely mad. The riots began because the stores could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel, In the Mouth of Madness. Kane disappeared two months ago without a trace. I'm the guy that writes horror books. You can forget about Stephen King. Kane outsells them all. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. It's a setup. It's a setup. I just have to work out how it's set up. Kane's writing has been known to have an effect on his readers. See this? It's a map. This whole thing has been staged. You just get out. This is not reality. It's all happening for real, Trent. Oh, 
it is in the mouth of madness from 1994 it came in at 7.2 stars uh directed by john carpenter written by michael deluca stars sam neill jurgen Prochnow, and julie carmen this one's got a r rating um it's uh it's another I guess if you think about it, probably a lot of uh, John Carpenter's works are influenced by Lovecraft. This one, like, just jumps right in to H.P. Lovecraft, and uh, there's a lot of correlations to be made here. <clears throat> also, a lot of little winks and nods to Lovecraft as we go. Um, this one is is very hard to follow, though. So I'm going to tell you right now, inmates. Uh, with my 101 degree body temperature and my exhaustion, I'm going to fuck this up. So if you want to get mad at me, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You should be. You should be very angry at me. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so we start off in, with a very cool montage of books being printed with like a heavy metal soundtrack uh, playing behind it. It's pretty dope. From there, we're going to go to our main character. Um uh, his name is Jonathan Trent, and he is being escorted very hastily through a mental institution where he's going to be uh, thrown into a straitjacket and then shoved into a padded room. Now, this guy is played by Sam Neill, and I have to know, ladies, are you hot for Sam Neill? My, one of my former co-hosts, Nurse Nicole, had a major uh, lady boner for Sam Neill. And I don't understand why. He seems very plain to me. Like very uh, average, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what do I, what a hot dude. I wouldn't know a hot dude from a not hot dude. And apparently there's like a small contingent of female horror fans out there that really want to fuck Sam Neill. I don't know if that's still true today. I don't know how he's holding up. I'm sure he's put on a pound or two. But in this iteration, as he's being escorted through the... Uh, the mental institution, we get to see like a strung out, sweaty, uh, psycho Sam Neill, where like his hair is all tweaked and he's like got the sunken in cheeks, looks like he hasn't slept in a while. Uh, it's pretty gnarly. He gets put into the, uh, the, the padded room there. And a little while later, another doctor shows up to examine him. Um, we can't really tell what's going on, but there's something going on outside because the doctor that shows up to examine him speaks to the uh uh what do you call their fuck man i can't think that's how tired i am there's like a, a staff doctor there and he talks to him and the staff doctor is like hey you think he's one of those guys and the visiting doctor is like well that's what i'm here to find out and the the other guy's like well it must be really getting bad out there if they're sending you in here so the visiting doctor, who has an English accent, goes in and sits down and starts talking to Sam Neill. Now, while that was going on, uh, Trent has drawn crosses all over the inside of his padded room and to include his skin and his forehead and stuff like that. Uh, and he's acting like a right nutsack. So in comes the new doctor. He's like, hey, I am here to get you out of here, dude. So how about you uh, have a little chit-chat with me and I'll decide uh, how, how quickly I can get you out of here. And Trent is like, you know what? I think uh, I think I'm just gonna hang here. I feel much better about stuff. Just I'll just stay here. You know, I think I maybe I do belong here after all. Look at me, I'm all painted up with a black crayon for Christ's sakes. <coughs> so now we're gonna get the backstory 
as to how Jonathan Trent ended up in the, the mental institute in a padded room with a bunch of crosses drawn on his forehead. Um, cut to probably about, I don't know, six months before this, we find out that Trent was a insurance fraud investigator, and I guess he was really good at it too, so there's that. And he was a bit of a cocky asshole. Uh, he is called in by his buddy, played by Bernie Casey. Remember him? He was like the the African-American badass in every uh, 80s pseudo-action comedy. He played the guys, he played the guy that trained uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd in Spies Like Us, and he was in uh, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, I think. I think he was. I'm 99% sure that was him. Um, what else? He was, he was in a lot of 80s movies. But uh, he he plays the owner of an insurance uh, agency, and he's questioning somebody on uh, a claim that they put in. And wouldn't you know, the guy that he's questioning is played by Peter Jason, who is my uh, my favorite of well, other than Kurt Russell, probably one of my favorites of the John Carpenter camp. Uh, Peter Jason's in there. He's sweating bullets and smoking cigarettes, and uh, John Trent is in there asking him questions about hey. You know, uh, that warehouse that uh, burnt down, you know, uh, there's you said there was a lot of your stuff. And he's like, yeah, all my, my whole life was in there. It got burned up. He's like, oh, well, I took a picture of your wife wearing one of the fur coats that you said was in the warehouse. And she, he's like, uh, uh, no, that's a, a different one. I bought, I bought it for myself. Uh, so that, that's a... And then he gets all tripped up. And then eventually, you know, he busts him. And we find out that Peter Jason was cheating on his wife with a very hot Italian uh, young lady. And, uh, yeah, anyway, they get busted. Now, after that, uh, Bernie Casey takes uh, Peter, or, oh, I am all fucked up today, guys. I am sorry. I am a hot mess. Uh, he takes uh, Jonathan Trent out to lunch. And while they're having lunch, he's like, hey, man, you're a freelance uh, insurance investigator. Why don't you come work for me, be on my, my staff? I could use a guy like you. I got this huge case coming up, and I need a I need the best man. I need I need Johnny Trent on the case. And Trent's like, oh no, I work I work for myself. You know, I don't have a boss. Nobody pulls my strings. Blah 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 blah. Now, while they're having this conversation, we get some details about this big case that Bernie Casey has. Uh, it involves a writer by the name of Sutter Kane, and he has apparently gone missing from. He's gone missing, really. But more to the point, his publishing house has an insurance policy on him in the event that uh I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what kind of insurance a publishing house would take out on an author, but apparently they've taken out some kind of insurance and now he's gone missing and Bernie Casey is scared to death that he's gonna have to pay the publishers a shit ton of money, I think. I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Now, now that I think about it, that part doesn't really make a lot of sense. I don't know a lot about insurance, mind you, but I don't know. Anyway, he wants uh, he wants uh, Johnny Trent to go to check it out, get to the bottom of this. And Trent, right off the bat, is like, "Well, this sounds like a some kind of a publicity stunt." Now, while they're having this conversation, uh, just outside the window of the diner and across the street, there's some kind of a lunatic walking out of a store and crossing the street towards them. Uh, with a trench coat and a fire axe, and he's swinging it at people as he goes. Uh, he gets across the street, and then he slams the axe into the window, uh, jumps up onto the table, 
And uh, Pete, Bernie Casey jumps out of the booth, but John Trent just kind of stays there. And then the guy leans down and goes, Do you read Sutter Kane? I don't know why he had to talk like that. But his eyes are all jacked off, too, by the way. That means he's extra crazy. I mean, he's running around in a trench coat with an axe, so you know you're crazy right off the bat. Uh, Do you read Sutter Kane? Weird, right? Weird that he would jump into that kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, what is that, an accent? A dial? I don't know, it's, it's just strange. Anyway, he's about to bury the axe into uh, John Trent, but then the NYPD shows up at the last second and blow this dude to bits. Uh, so that's good. We're safe for now. Needless to say, Trent uh, uh, agrees to take the case from Bernie Casey and go look into the missing author, Sutter Kane. So he goes and meets with the publisher. That's his first stop. Uh, the publisher is a guy by the name of Harglow, played by the Charlton Heston, which is strange to me that Charlton Heston would find himself on a John Carpenter movie, just getting the, the, the two different political ideologies. But hey, that was 1994, back when we could see past each other's political beliefs and things like that. Clearly, that would never happen now, right? Anyway, uh, we meet uh, Harglow's secretary, a young lady by the name of Linda Stiles. And she's got... Dude, let me ask you a question. Maybe it's just the era that I grew up in, but that look of the hot, sexy, uh, 80s, late 80s, early 90s businesswoman. You know what I'm talking about? The hair in the bun, the big glasses... Uh, the low-cut uh, suit jacket thing is just a little bit of cleavage. That was super sexy to me. And I think it was just because I was hitting puberty about that time. I know I'm dating myself here, but I think that look still holds up today. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Uh, meet her. Uh, Trent keeps, he, he's in there. He's like, hey, man, this whole, this, hey, I'm be honest with you. This sounds like horse shit. This sounds like some kind of a publicity stunt. What you're going to do is you're going to get me to go up there and uh, not find him. And then I can come back and say, yeah, he's missing for sure. And there you go. That's that's you're basically trying to make me make a fool out of myself so that you can sell some extra books. That's what I think, man. And they're like, no, no, no. He's really missing Uh, here. Take copies of all of his books and take those home with you and read them see if you can't figure something out there oh by the way be careful when you read those books because people that are in like an unstable frame of mind uh reading Sutter Kane's novels tends to give them like hallucinations and mental breaks weird uh you know manic depressive states things like that so be careful when you read those books okay so Trent agrees he takes the books he goes home now, there is a lot of weird, psychedelic, Jacob's Ladder-esque imagery here, and a lot of jump cuts, and possible nightmare sequences, and weird visions, and things like that that go down. I'm going to glaze over a lot of that, because most of it is not pertinent to the story at all. Case in point, the one I'm about to not glaze over. So, walking home... Uh, Trent with all of his books and uh, I don't know, I think he had a bottle of tequila or something, uh, walks by an alley where there's a cop beating up a young graffiti artist. 
Trent stops for a second, and the cop's like, you want some too, pal? And then Trent just keeps walking. So he goes home, he starts reading one of the books, he falls asleep, and then he has a nightmare that he's walking by the same alley, and then the cop is there again, kicking the shit out of the kid, and the cop's like, you want some too, pal? But this time the cop has like a weird uh, cut-up monster face kind of a thing. And then he wakes up, oh shit, that was a nightmare. And he starts reading again, and then he goes back to sleep. And then he has the exact same nightmare, except this time he's walking past the alley and the cop's not there kicking the shit out of the kid, but the guy with the axe shows up, who we found out was actually Sutter Kane's uh, agent. And he's like, he sees you. And then he's surrounded by a bunch of homeless dudes with axes and they uh, butcher uh, Sutter Kane's agent. And then he wakes up again. Oh, shit. And then the cop is, the monster cop is sitting in the chair right next to him. And he goes, oh, shit, and then he wakes up again. And this is a lot of the movie, man. <laughs> These weird visions, uh, you know, s- snapping to in different places and what the hell happened, I don't know. It's it. You got to kind of bear with that in this movie. And it makes for a very disjointed, irregular plot line. But at the same time, I used to not like this movie for that very reason. Because it's not really a linear plot. It's more of just like a bunch of jumps to this and that, and then this is going on, and that's going there. We got the flashbacks and all this shit. Um, but you have to remember, and I think what Carpenter was going for with that was, as the title would suggest, madness. You, he doesn't know if he's like conscious and awake and alive, or if he's having one of these weird visions, or if he's having a nightmare. Or if he's just reading a book, and this is something that kind of stuck in his head from the book. So that's kind of the the madness of the movie, of which we are supposedly in the mouth of, right? In a weird way. Does that make sense? I think I'm the one that's going crazy at this point. All right, anyway. That goes on and on. Uh, Eventually, he agrees to kind of he well he took the case and he was talking to the publisher so as he's he wakes up after the like the sixth nightmare in a row he wakes up and he's like god what the fuck with this he starts looking at all the books uh there's like weird shapes on the on the covers of the books so he tears all the covers off cuts out the shapes and puts them together like a puzzle and they make the state of new hampshire and there's a weird dot that shows up on the cover of one of the books right in a which is like right in the middle of New Hampshire is where it would be. So he's he's looking at that. He does like an overlay of the map of New Hampshire. And he's like, oh, okay. So this is clearly New Hampshire. I built this out of all the uh, book covers. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself with my arts and crafts abilities. And this dot right here is where the fictional town of Hobbs End would be. Now, Hobbs End is the title of one of his previous books. Uh, I think it was Hobbs End Horror or something like that. So he's like, well, Hobbs End is a fictional town, though, but if we were to place it on a map, that's right about where it would be. So I think that's probably where our guy is. So Harglow was like, well, get your ass up there and find out. He's like, I'm not going up there, man. Now, look, if you want to, you know, if this is a publicity stunt, fine. I don't care. But you're not going to make an asshole out of me. I'm not going to go up there and chase my fucking tail around so that you guys can sell a few more books. So, no. And Harglow's like, you know what? You're right. And uh, just to make sure that uh, this isn't a publicity stunt or some kind of a weird prank, I'm going to send 
uh, Linda Styles with you also. So she's she's my uh, secretary. She wasn't his secretary. She was some kind of an editor or something. But you take her with you. Have yourselves a great little road trip there, and uh, get back to me when you know what the hell happened to Sutter Kane. So off they go, these two. And we have that that this movie was made in 1994, but we have that very John Carpenter. Um, Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall relationship where he's kind of a sleazy, wise talker and she's kind of an uptight, uh, you know, by the book type. And there's a lot of sexual innuendo, but nothing's really coming out of it. In the case of Kurt Russell and Kim Kim Cattrall, it was more lighthearted because, you know, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. But this, there's not, I don't think there's supposed to be any humor in this, but it's kind of the same relationship. So off they go on the road trip. Uh, she falls asleep. He wakes her up with a squeaky horn. What the hell is he doing with a squeaky horn in his car? I have no idea. Uh, she slaps him with a bag of chips. They decide to switch at one point during the night. Now, New New Hampshire from New York. Uh, New York City. I get. I, I, it doesn't seem that far away, but they're on the road for at least 24 hours because the sun goes up and it comes back down. And they're, they're trying to find a... Uh, fictional town which isn't on any map either so there's that for you she takes the wheel she's driving through the night uh at one point she passes a kid riding a bicycle dead of night no street lights nothing just drives past looks at him oh that's kind of weird uh keeps driving a couple miles down the road she passes an old man on a motor on a on a bicycle a creepy old guy you know long hair long white hair same bicycle, mind you. And she's like, oh, that's fucking weird. And then because she's too busy looking at the old guy, she doesn't notice that the old guy is now right smack in front of the car. So she runs over the old guy on the bike. Uh, they slam on the brakes, stop, get out. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of silly. So they run over the old guy. They get out. Uh, they're talking to the, they're like, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And the old guy's like, he won't let me leave. He won't let me leave. So she looks back at Trent, and Trent is like, uh, I don't know. She looks up back at the old guy, and the old guy just gets on his bike and pedals off into the night. Well, I guess that's just how that's going to go. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if he's good, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here. I don't know. Uh, that's kind of weird writing, if you ask me. But again, madness. And whenever there's some kind of a weird inconsistency in this movie, of which there are several, you just got to kind of shrug your shoulders and go, eh, madness. So there's that. Off they go. Uh, she gets all freaked out now. And she's like got that weird road dementia where she, you know, the line starts getting all, the line in the road starts getting all blurry. At one point, she looks out of the car and swears that she's driving above the clouds, which is kind of cool. Like she's flying the car. And then she goes through a tunnel and she has like a freak out moment. And when she comes out of the tunnel, the sun is now up. It's the middle of the morning. Uh, she slams on the brakes and she has stopped the car right in front of the goddamn sign that says, Welcome to Hobbs End. Okay, now a couple of things here. Hobbs End is a fictional town, obviously. And this begs the question as to whether or not this is madness or if, if we have actually driven into another reality because that clearly was not supposed to happen, right? You don't drive in the middle of the night, go through a what appeared to be about a 50-foot tunnel and then have it be the middle of the morning. So 
I wonder if that tunnel was like the, the, the dimensional rift, so to speak, and Sutter Kane somehow opened it or created it or something like that. I don't know. I'm getting in my own head now, so let's keep moving. <coughs> they're, they're like, oh, yeah, here we are, Hobbs End. Perfect. You found it. So they go in there, and they're driving around Hobbs End. It's a quiet New England town, just as you would expect it to be. And uh, she is like, she's a Sutter Kane fan, so she's read uh, the Hobbs End horror, and she's like pointing out the different places. Like, oh, that's where the guy got killed. Oh, that's where the sleeping creature hides during the daytime. Oh, over there is where the thing is. And eventually they find Pickman's Inn, which is a, a big thing. Now, this is a little nod to Lovecraft, because one of his more famous short stories, Pickman's Model, was... Uh, I think that was one of his most successful short stories. It was basically about a, a painter that had some kind of a she-monster kind of a thing that he would paint in his uh, paintings, and you know everybody loved his paintings, whatever. Uh, Pickman's Inn. Now, they go in, and they get themselves a room in Pickman's Inn. They're posing as a husband and wife, because they don't want to let on that they're looking for Sutter Kane. And uh, out from behind the counter comes Happy Gilmore's grandma, and she's like, oh, I don't read horror. I don't know anything about Sutter Kane. Bah. But this place is so spot on identical to the way it's supposed to be in the book that uh, Styles can like pick out, okay, there's a painting right behind me. There's a creaky board on the floor right there. Uh, that is Mrs. Pickman. She's going to butcher her husband with an axe. So like, hey, Mrs. Pickman, where's your husband? Uh, he's not feeling too well. He's handcuffed to her ankle, and he's naked for some reason. And she periodically just leans down and gives him a kick to the ribs. <clears throat> Sounds a lot like my marriage. <laughs> uh, it's pretty gnarly, and that's kind of cool. So they go up to their room, and they uh, they check in, and he's like, okay, all right. So you think this is some kind of a weird Sutter Kane small town? I tell you what. Right out this window is supposed to be a giant black church with, uh, you know, gold spires. He opens the window and it's just a barn. So he's like, see that? They forgot the black church. So good for good for you. I uh, need to pay more attention next time. And she's like, no, you idiot. It was the west-facing window. She walks around the corner and opens the second window. And there's the giant black fucking church with the gold uh, spires and all that shit. So he's like, well... This is some kind of a tourist tra attraction you got here, dude. Uh, to be honest with you, though, it's not a bad idea. Like, think about if somebody just bought, uh, like, five, I don't know, well, probably not that many, uh, maybe, like, uh, 150 acres in Maine and just built up a little town there and made it to the exact uh, specifications of Dairy, Maine. Like, to the T. Tracker Brothers Warehouse, uh, the Aqueducts, the Barons, all that stuff. How dope would that be? I would go check it out for sure. Uh, you know, because Derry pops up. Derry, Maine, in various Stephen King uh, books. It wasn't just it. It was also in Dreamcatcher. Um, I'm sure it, it was in and out of a couple other books. That would be cool, dude. Go to Derry, Maine. I don't think it actually exists. Or... Maybe it, I don't know, but there's probably a town that it was loosely based on. But if you could go to the Dairy Maine that was 100% accurate to Stephen King's specifications, that would be pretty sick, right? All right, anyway, back to the movie. He's like, oh, shit, there's the goddamn black church, man. Well, we got to go take some selfies with that fucking thing, huh? So they go walking over there, and the closer they get, the more nervous she's getting. Because she's like, dude, 
these are horror novels that we are now in, and nothing good happens to anybody in these no- these novels. So maybe we should just get in the car and get the fuck out of here and tell them that we couldn't find Sutter Kane. So they're walking around the church, poking around. Pretty soon, a convoy of, like, station wagons and weird El Ranchos and uh, other shitty cars comes pulling up. There's, like, five or six of them. And it's like a, a lynch mob of townies. And they go out and they start beating on the door of the, uh, the, the black church there. Now, if you're paying attention, you'll probably recognize the leader of the townies. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's Eastern European, and he's the same guy that played Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. He's got a very distinct face. He's not an attractive man at all. He jumps out, and he's like, Hey, Sutter Kane, you got my son. Give me back my son. And then, like, the, the thunder rolls, and the wind picks up, and then the door to the church flies open, and there's the guy's son standing right in the entryway. But then it starts banging open and closed, and he's like, Hey, come on, come on, get out of there. And then finally the doors swing open again and the kid is gone, but Sutter Kane is there, played by Jurgen Prochnow. Um I don't know that Jurgen Prochnow would be my first pick for this role. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He's got a very distinct face. And he's not an attractive man either, and they kind of like froed him up for this. Anyway, he's there, and he's got, like, a shit-eating grin on his face. Then the doors close again, and, a, like, a, like, a herd of dogs, like Doberman Pinchers, come running around the side of the church, and they attack the townies, and uh, they bite them up pretty good, and then the townies all go running away. So, this was the worst executed lynch mob in the history of lynch mobs. They were easily deterred by a pack of dogs, and uh, shit. Yeah, back to the drawing board, boys. Still don't have your kid, either. So, uh, Styles and um, Trent saw the whole thing, and they're like, wow, what the fuck is going on here? They go back to their room, and they kind of have a, mo- a moment to discuss what's going on and what to do next. Trent is like, dude, you guys are nailing this. That was something to see right there. What was that, like uh, some stage lighting and those extras you brought out? I hope they're okay. Those dogs look like they were serious. And she's like, no, Trent. This is for real. This isn't a this isn't a scam. And then finally she comes clean. She's like, "Okay, look. It was a scam. We were we weren't supposed to find Hobbs End. We were going to come up here and drive around for a day or two and then uh I was, you know, we were going to get you on board and then we we're going to go back and say we couldn't find him. That part we we did send him away, but somehow he manifested this town from his fiction and now we're stuck in it and we got to get the hell out of here." And he's like, "Okay. Well, now we're getting somewhere." But then out of nowhere, she starts trying to make out with him. Apparently, she is wildly horned up by the thought of insurance fraud. I don't know, ladies. Is that a thing? Does, does uh, insurance fraud turn you on or something? I don't. If it does, I could write some weird fiction, some scat fiction or something, whatever you call that. Uh, anyway, he's like, all right, well, okay, so you're telling me it was fraud, but now it's not. And you expect me to believe that it's not now, but it was before. She's like, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I'm being honest with you. And he's like, okay, I'll get to the bottom of this shit. He goes down and starts talking to uh, Happy Gilmore's grandma. He's like, hey, uh, Mrs. Pickman, uh, where is your husband and what's going on with him? As he's talking to her, uh, Styles sneaks out behind him and steals his car and takes off. He's like, ah, shit, that bitch just took my car. Now what am I going to do? 
Uh, Styles takes the car and drives right back to the black church and just lets herself in, starts poking around. Why would you go there? Uh, I mean, if if she is that dead set on this being uh, the basically Hobbs End horror, that would probably be the last place you want to go, right? So for the purposes of us using this as like a staple to H.P. Lovecraft, that would be like driving right to the Cthulhu cult and wanting to just go in and see how things were going. You're going to get fucking sacrificed if you're lucky. If you're not lucky, you're going to get fed to something that is nasty and you don't want it. Anyway, she goes in there, starts poking around, happens upon Sutter Kane as he's writing his book. This church is pretty kick-ass on the inside, by the way. It's got like uh, all the big... It's, uh, I don't know. It's I don't. It's not like a real church. It's more like just a big fucking building, but it's got a lot of rooms and long hallways and very gothic with the ar- architecture and all that. She happens upon Sutter Kane. She's like, "Hey, uh, dude, you are uh, under contract, and we need your next book in the Mouth of Madness. Uh, we were supposed to publish it in like uh, two months, and we need that ASAP, my man. We need to make that happen." And he's like, "Oh, let me tell you what's really going on here." Uh, I have been dictated the next book in the Mouth of Madness by these old beings behind this door. And he's got a door in the the church, which is all greasy, and it looks like it's breathing. And uh, I don't know, there's like something banging on it, trying to get out from the other side. He's got it all chained up and shit. He's like, I can't keep him in there much longer, so you need to get this book out as fast as you can. And... uh, we're going to need uh, Trent also. He's going to be the guy that takes the book back to the city for publication. And she's like, okay, uh, yeah, let's do that, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it was didn't take much convincing to get her to jump onto the dark side. Uh, while that's going on, Trent, minus a car, has decided he's just going to walk to the local bar and have a beer. So that's what he does. He walks in there. He's the only guy in there having a beer. In walks Vigo the Carpathian. And now he looks like he's had the shit kicked out of him. So he's like, hey, are you an actor? And the guy's like, no, you got to get out of here. It's terrible. You got to leave now. Just go. And he's like, well, I would, but my fucking uh, travel partner has stolen my vehicle. So I guess I'm going to be stuck here. And I'm kind of wanting to get to the bottom of this shit anyway. So that's all well and good. Uh, Eventually, uh, what do you call there? Uh... Trent goes back to his room where, of course, uh, what's her name? Uh, Styles is waiting for him. And he's like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and get the fuck. Thank you for bringing my car back. I really wish you would uh, not steal it from now on. But thank you for that. Uh, let's go ahead and get in the fucking car and let's get up out of here. Now, okay, we're going to have to just kind of write this part off to madness because She's like, yeah, let's get out of here. And then they go running downstairs. And then all of a sudden, she just stops and starts staring at him. Uh, they go make it out in the street where another lynch mob has formed. Except this one seems to want to uh, keep them in the town. So these guys, instead of having shotguns, all have like axes and torches. And he's like, ah, how about uh, let's, let's go before they uh, do us some bodily harm. And she punches him. So he punches her again and knocks her out, throws her in the car. And takes off. Now, again, madness. Uh, he's driving. He hauls ass. Looks over. She's no longer in the car. All right. He's like, sorry, Styles. I'll send help when I get somewhere. Just keeps driving out of town. 
eventually comes right back to the town center where the lynch mob is still there waiting for him. He does this like four or five times. (laughs) Again, madness. Uh, Finally, he comes back. He's like, well, I'm not going back out that way. I'm just going to drive right through the lynch mob, and then I will continue out fuck out of here somewhere. I don't know. So he just starts driving through the lynch mob, and he plows through a bunch of people. But at the other side of the lynch mob, Styles is now there, and she's just hanging. So he swerves to miss her and wrecks into a parked uh, truck and knocks himself out. Ah. Uh. Madness, right? I guess, man. I don't fucking know. So he comes to, he's now in the black church, and he gets the same sales spiel from uh, Sutter Kane. Hey, bro, uh, I've been convening with the old ones behind the greasy door here, and they have dictated to me this sacred manuscript. You need to, your job is to go and uh, take that and distribute that amongst the masses. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. And then, Kane is like, you have to. That's how I wrote you into my book. And he's like, well, I'm still not going to do it. So fuck right off. So he gives him the book. And then like a weird corridor opens up out of the, the black church. But then Kane just starts tearing himself apart as if he were a book because there's like pages with text on the inside. And then... uh. Trent goes over and starts looking at this hole in reality, I guess, for lack of a better term, that Kane has suddenly rendered. And he's like, well, look at that shit. Uh, and then he kind of steps through, and then he wakes up at the crossroads where he probably parked his car at one point. His car's gone. Styles is gone. Um, I did skip the part where Styles did like the weird reverse crab walk with an upside down head that part was pretty cool special effects wise uh but uh it so now he's just fine and he's got the manuscript and he's doesn't have a car though so he's got to walk back to new york that kind of sucks uh he hitches a ride to a hotel gets a hotel spends the night uh leaves the manuscript on the side of the road wakes up the next morning in the hotel hey we got a deliver delivery for you there john trent Here's the, uh, just some package came here this morning. It's the fucking manuscript. Again, there it is. So he can't escape it. He burns this one, thinking he's going to get away. Uh, eventually, he gets on a bus. He has another nightmare where Sutter Kane is in the next seat, and he tells him, hey, my favorite color is blue, and when Trent wakes up, everything is blue. But then that's another nightmare, so he wakes up again, and everything's fine. Um, from there, he makes it back to New York via Greyhound bus, which I'm sure was disgusting. And he gets to Harglow's office and he's like, look, I told you what happened. It's fucking gnarly. Harglow does not recall anybody by the name of Linda Stiles. Uh, he, according to him, Trent gave him the manuscript three months ago. It's already been optioned into a movie. And it's already been published and everything. And now these escalations of violence are popping up all over the, all over the country because people are reading uh, In the Mouth of Madness and it's making them go crazy and attack each other. Motherfuckers. Why? Okay. Okay, then. All right. Maybe we should think about not doing that. But it's too late for that now, I guess. Uh, of course, Trent remembers none of that shit. He's like, I just literally just got off a Greyhound bus after uh, disappearing from Hobbs End, and I was going to tell you I'm not going to do that shit, 
but according to you, I did it three months ago. And Harglow's like, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened, man. So thank you again for that. We're making millions. Uh, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> so after that, Trent is like, okay. Uh, oh. So now he's starting to look more and more disheveled. His mental state is unraveling even further. Uh, eventually, he's like, fuck it. He goes to a bookstore where there's a line going around the block to buy a copy of In the Mouth of Madness. Kid comes walking out with his copy. He's got a nosebleed, the kid does. And uh, Trent is there with a trench coat on, carrying a fire axe. And the kid's like, I love Sutter Kane. And Trent's like, oh, did you read the book? He's like, yeah, I love it. And he's like, oh, so you know what happens next. And then he just bashes the kid with the fire axe and kills him. Presumably gets arrested. And then that brings us back to where we started, back at the mental institution, with uh, Trent being committed i guess so the doctor's like well that was a hell of a story my man uh i think you're right i think you need to stay in this room for a while i'm gonna get the fuck out of here and that'll be that so the doc the visiting doctor gets up and leaves uh after that we get like a weird cataclysmic sequence i guess where the lightning is flashing and there's a lot of screaming outside of his cell and uh banging around and shit and then all of a sudden the power goes out in the mental institution all the doors open and trent just goes walking on out into the hallway and it looks like uh the our raccoon city police department because everything's trashed and there's dead people all over the place and he's like, well, look at this. What uh, the fuck uh, exactly happened here? So he just goes walking on out of the building, uh, gets in a car and drives and go, rolls up on a movie theater. And when you know it, what's playing? In the Mouth of Madness, the movie. He goes in, grabs himself a bucket of popcorn, sits down, and he's basically watching the movie that we just watched. Him, you know, uh, with the, the Bernie Casey and the guy with the axe. He thinks it's hilarious now because, you know, he's completely mad is what it comes down to. So that was, that's how the movie ends. That was In the Mouth of Madness from 1994. Now, I think as I watched this movie, I've, I, we did this on uh, the Streaming Horror Society a couple years ago. And I find that as I watched this movie more and more, I, I, I kind of understand it a little bit better. And I'm starting to enjoy it more. Because I'm not looking for a linear plot line, as one would you know, expect in a movie. Instead, you just have to kind of accept the quote-unquote madness, because that's what it is. It's in the mouth of madness. So you can jump all over. Uh, you can create weird realities, and you can write it off in the end as uh, it just being that the world went insane when they read this book. Or... Uh, what would kind of make more sense to me is if, what if Trent was actually the fictional character and, you know, that was literally how Sutter Kane wrote him and that was the ending that he wrote for him. And what we just saw was a, a movie adaptation of Sutter Kane, Kane's book. So there's that too, you know. And just it's just that Trent doesn't know he's a fictional character. I don't know, man. There's a lot of ways to look at this. It's very... Um, absurd, but if you can embrace the absurdity, not get lost in the minutia of things, just kind of take it as it comes. It's actually a good show, and I'm starting to enjoy this one more and more. Uh, as I've, you know, the more I, the more I watch it, the more I watch the subtleties of it. 
It's kind of, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on here. All right, that was in the mouth of madness. I say definitely check that out. But you got to take your thinking cap off <laughs> for that one. I got to take myself a little break here. I'm going to go take some more cold medicine. I'll be right back with you.
Hey inmates, if you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I am back. Well, funny thing in the mouth of madness, it brought to mind a nightmare that I had once. And I hope you guys will bear with me, but just hear me out. So when my father died in 2009, and I don't mean to be a bummer, I'm putting it out there right now. This is just part of the buildup as to this crazy nightmare that I had this one time. Before my father died in 2009, uh, he had really bad dementia. And he was becoming very problematic for me and my mom to try to keep track of him and where is he, what's he doing, and stuff like that. Um, But shortly after he died, I had a very vivid and very crazy nightmare. And it was basically that I had the same thing, except at a very early age. And the realization that I was going crazy. Let, Let me explain how this nightmare played out. So basically, uh, my wife and I, who, or who was my girlfriend at the time, were living together, and we went to the grocery store to get some stuff. And we came back from the grocery store to find uh, people in our home, right? So I'm like, okay, this is scary. Babe, you wait here. I'm going to go inside and get my gun and try to get, you know, call, you call the police. I'm going to go inside and get my gun. So... Um, I went inside our house and I immediately noticed that all of the pictures were out of, like, they weren't in the same order that they were when we left. And some of the pictures had people in it that I didn't recognize. So I go into the bedroom and I get my gun out of the nightstand. And then I'm creeping down the hallway and I see all these people in my living room. So I'm like, hey, what the fuck are you guys doing here? And I got my gun, but I'm not pointing him, pointing it at anybody. And they're like, oh my God, oh my God, take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. Just don't hurt us. I'm like, don't hurt you. You're in my house. They're like, no, this is our house. I'm like, no, it's not. It's my house. So I go back outside to where my wife is. And I'm like, uh, now I'm thinking and I'm looking around. And like the house that we had pulled into was on a corner. We've never lived in a corner house, right? So now I'm looking around at the neighborhood and it doesn't look even vaguely like our neighborhood. So I'm telling my wife, hey, uh, I think we're at the wrong house or something. And she's like, no, no, this is our house. I can't get a hold of the police, but this is our fucking house. Those people need to get out of here. And I'm like, this doesn't look like our house. So finally, I'm like, look, I think this is not our house. But if we go back to the store, I'm pretty sure I can find our way back to our house. So... I guess, why don't I just go do that? You stay here, keep trying to get a hold of the police. So I start walking back to the store, and I don't, like, the further I get into this neighborhood, the further I realize that I have no fucking idea where I am, or what I'm doing, or where I'm going, for that matter. So finally, I'm like, oh shit, I've completely lost my mind. I'm going fucking crazy. I sit down to try to call somebody, either my wife or my mom or somebody, and I pull out my phone and like everything on the screen, it looks like that predator kind of, uh, uh, you know, like on his wrist thing when he blows himself up. That's what's going on on my phone screen. And I have no idea what any of that means. And that's when I realized, yep, I've gone completely crazy, just like my dad did. And that's when I usually woke up in a panic. And that's pretty scary. So I don't, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that with you. But that was my uh, my 
in the Mouth of Madness experience. Enough about me. Let's get into the Terra Dome. Some real madness. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. week's winners singles competition we had the mummy versus the creature from the black lagoon taken aback by the beauty of the princess the creature emerged from the still waters of the lagoon nick waited on the shore as Amonette strode toward him the creature also approached the three three-way meeting with intent to eliminate nick and take Amonette for himself the princess knew and wouldn't allow it The creature's gills and insides began to fill with sand as it thrashed and spasmed, Amonet's eyes never losing Nick's as the simple amphibian sank to its death. With a vote of 9-2, the mummy advances over the creature from the Black Lagoon. I figure that pretty much went without saying, right? Uh, I get Tom Hardy voting for the creature, really just because he's angry with me, and I understand that, too. I'm very easy to be angry at. I'll give you a reason to be mad at me. I'm very good at that. (laughs) Ask my wife. (laughs) All right, let's look at this week's matchup, shall we? If you thought that was bad, get ready for this one. This one I really had to work for. As usual, inmates, uh, you're really going to have to bear with me this time. At war's end, there is nothing left for the vanquished. The invasion was a failure. While casualties mounted on either side, in the end, the humans remembered what they had known all along, that their enemies were, in fact, tomatoes. The tomato-super-soldier hybrid may have been the turning point if only it had come earlier and if there had been more of them, but neither would come to pass, and now, at war's end, the lone tomato-super-soldier would have to find a life after. Halloween night was his one night of freedom. The one night that he could walk amongst humanity as just another guy. Perhaps even find a party full of costumed college kids with which to pass his time and drink away his sorrows. So elated at his one night of happiness that he didn't notice the black and white clown amidst the frat boys. Didn't notice the clown putting strange tablets in random drinks and didn't care as he started to lose consciousness. In singles competition we have... The Beefcake Tomato from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That's right, Kevin, you son of a bitch. This one's for you. 
versus Art the Clown. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't see a reason to vote for a tomato. So, by all means, prove me wrong and vote for the tomato so that I have to come up with another fucking story for a killer tomato next week or in the weeks to come. I'm taking Art the Clown. I hope you'll join me in that, but you probably won't. I get it. I'm kind of a dick. <laughs> that is your Terra Dome uh, for the match for the week, inmates. It's the Killer Tomato versus Art the Clown. The Mental Health Hotline is area code 775-387-0275, or email me your votes at thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. In the meantime, I've got to tell you which movies I got to watch this week. I watched a shit ton last night because I couldn't get any fucking sleep. Uh, some of them I may remember a little bit better than others, but I will do my best to run you through them. Here we go. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Yeah, I watched, uh, the Belco experiment from 2016. I had seen it before, but dude, I found this at the uh, dollar store. How am I not going to buy the Belco experiment for $1? It's a good movie. It's a pretty good show, but fuck, it's a dollar. Who gives a shit? I watched it again. Uh, still pretty good show. I watched The Candy Witch from 2020. Uh, this is a attempt to make a female Freddy Krueger, I felt like. It's on Tubi, if anybody gives a shit. Um, it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. Same thing with House of Shadows from 2020. A young lady inherits a uh, house from her estranged mother who was in a mental institution. Find out that there's like this weird uh, familial demonic connection. And now it kind of came with the house. Now she's got to try to figure a way to stop it or it's going to kill her boyfriend. Uh, Very scary stuff. Uh, The Snare. From 2017. This one is actually pretty good. This one was on uh, Tubi also. So you got uh, a young couple and a female friend that get a vacation apartment during the off season. Uh, it's an it's like a high rise apartment building that doesn't get used except uh, in the summer months. They go there in the winter, so they have their apartment, but there's nobody in the building at all, or really in the town at all around them. Uh, they get up there. They're having a great time the first night. The second night, the elevator shuts itself down and the uh, doors to the stairwells lock themselves. So they're now trapped on like the 10th floor of this high rise apartment building for indefinitely. It's pretty gnarly, man. It gets uh, paranormal and it gets into some weird murder, rapey kind of stuff. Definitely. It's low budget. I'll be honest with you. It's low budget. But I, for what it is, I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, Come to Daddy from 2019 with Elijah Wood. This one's all right. I know most of you guys have seen this one. Um, a guy goes and visits his dad, finds out the guy he thought was his dad wasn't really, and uh, some shit gets gnarly from there. Had some pretty funny moments with Stephen McCaddy, I thought, as a ridiculous alcoholic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, and Elijah Wood, I... I have a hard time taking him seriously. I don't know why. He's a good actor, right? But, like, if he were to play a serious horror villain, like, even in Maniac, but you didn't really get to see him that much. But um, 
I just some about his face. I have a very difficult time uh, being intimidated by him or um, taking him seriously at all. I guess I think it was uh, uh, probably that one movie he did where he had like a mullet and he was throwing Chinese stars at people. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Woe from two thousand twenty. W O E. Uh, this one's pretty gnarly. This one's on Shutter. It was not a bad movie. Uh, so a brother and sister are kind of estranged. The brother inherits the dead dad's house, and there is some paranormal stuff going on there. And it's like some we kind of dip our toes into chemical addiction and other family problems. Uh, not bad. Also low budget. Lastly, I watched Halloween Party from 2019. This one was on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's it's all right. It's fine. It basically boils down to a haunted chain email type of a, a deal. Um, that's pretty. That's that's pretty silly too. But it it kind of all makes sense in the end. That's all I'm looking at. If I had to pick one of those to watch again, it would probably be Come to Daddy or The Snare. Probably. If I wanted a silly fucking movie, come to daddy. If I wanted like a legit horror film, probably The Snare from 2017. That's all I'm looking at, inmates. Uh, How about some immersion therapy, yeah? Immersion therapy. How about that Psycho Goreman, huh? Not a bad show. I dig it, and it's it's a ridiculous horror movie, but I was 100% comfortable showing it to my kids. They weren't scared by it. They thought it was ridiculous, too. They kind of got behind uh, PG as he was making his, you know... And to be honest with you, the relationship between Mimi and Luke pretty well mirrors uh, the relationship between my daughter Daphne and my son Deacon. Younger girl, older brother, she just basically puts him in a headlock and makes him do whatever she wants him to do all the time. So that was kind of fun to watch that. Uh, Not a bad show all the way around. What are we uh, looking at this week? Let's take a look. I tell you what, Tom Hardy, you want it? You got it. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. Um, It is on Amazon Prime. So why don't you check that in that out, inmates? Uh, looks like the 1970 version is on there too. If you want to check that out, I know that one's also on Shutter. Uh, let's do the 1956 version. We'll watch that. We'll compare notes next week, huh? In the meantime, I think it's time for you to educate me. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. Well, I am a sharecropper and I am kicking ass with my cornfield here. Problem is, the money's coming in and technically it is my wife's property and she now wants to sell it and open a fancy clothing store somewhere. I don't want to do that. My son doesn't want to do that. He's nailing the uh, neighbor's daughter. 
Nobody wants to give up the farm life except for her. We're just going to have to get rid of her and shove her down a well. That's the only way to do it. In 1922, inmates. It's 1922. You're absolutely right. Uh, Cat got me. Cowboy got me. I think Tim got me, was it? Oh, uh, Tom Hardy got me too. So there's something to not be mad at me about, Tom Hardy. Who might I be this week? Well... I'll tell you what I need to do is stop taking advice from my dad. And I also need to stop uh, allowing me to hook him up with his weirdo eccentric friends with their dumb shit film ideas. Now, me and my girlfriend are breaking into an abandoned mental institution in the middle of the night. And uh, we're probably not going to get out of here. And by the way, this fucking asshole that brought us here is super annoying I think he's trying to fuck my girlfriend when I'm not around, and he's really playing up the scary shit to try to, I don't know, get us to finance some fucking film project of his. I don't like this guy, and I'm not a big fan of my dad's after this either. Who might I be, inmates, you ask? Tune in next week to find out for sure. In the meantime, I think that's about going to do it for me this week, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm sorry that I'm here alone again and i'm sorry that uh, i had to kind of phone this one in i'm exhausted and i'm running a fever um that not being withheld i uh i could have done better and i apologize regardless uh thank you very much for joining me join me next week for phenomenon or creepers depending on which uh um I don't know, which whichever version you got. I think they're the same. It's just a different title. It's Dario Argento's Phenomenon or Creepers. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, of course, uh, Donald Pleasance. Um, closing out Tom Hardy month here in the padded room. You, too, could take control of our viewing uh, for a month. Uh, all it takes is a $5 donation. That's going to get you a padded room T-shirt, a coffee mug, as much porn as I can shove into the box that I send you, and control of one month of Padded Room movies. I believe uh, December is the next month that's available. So think about that. If you're interested, go to paddedroompodcast.com. You'll find the link to our Patreon account there, as well as any information you need about us, uh, how to get a hold of us, what movies we've already done, what we're doing, uh, anything you need to know about anything at all, really, paddedroompodcast.com. So for Miss Monica and Absentia, Buddy in absentia, uh, girls who can control bugs telekinetically, uh, shoes that are inspired by horror films and the people that aren't going to wear them but probably pay top dollar for them, uh, weird corporate experiments that go awry and turn into like games of death in a very passive-aggressive corporate environment kind of a way. Uh, which is bad enough as it is. And the Padded Room Podcast, I'm afraid, visiting hours are over. Click my hands and-